On behalf of the YU1 Spurs crew, thank you so much to everyone doing good and great things in our united efforts to get through the coronavirus pandemic. From the people offering company to the isolated and vulnerable, to those continuing to provide essential services. We join the nation this evening in grateful salute of the frontline NHS staff who are saving lives each and every day at this extremely challenging time. Hashtag clap for our carers. Thank you for listening to Why You Want Spurs podcast, which has recently gone daily to help ensure we still talk Tottenham day after day. All feedback is greatly appreciated and new recruits would also be welcomed with open arms, but only metaphorically, of course. So if you want to review a season with us, just DM us at YU1Spurs on Twitter and we'll get you linked up over our secret high-tech IT facilities. Can't disclose any more, but it begins with S and ends with E. Anyway, enjoy the first part of our 2016-17 reflection as film director Theo Delaney remembers his dream gig organising the White Hart Lane farewell ceremony. to the podcast so welcome Theo thank Hi. you very much oh, yeah. absolutely thrilled to be here it's, it's, it's like it's like you're a bit of royalty uh, for oh, me you know I've listened oh, to please a, I'll start I've, uh, <laughs> I've listened to I've listened to uh, I'm sure we all have listened to the Spurs show over the years um, and you know it's, it's just a wonderful podcast and you know I think you know even though we, we, we sort of want it to be we want to rival with the Spurs show but yeah. you know it's a wonderful podcast and I just sort of want to say what a what a fantastic one of my favourite ever podcasts and I think if anyone can get it is the Harry Redknapp life. Oh, Did you enjoy that doing that? Oh, I loved it, of course. But Harry, I mean, you can't go wrong with Harry. because You just almost flick a switch and then he's brilliant. You know, <laughs> yeah. so funny, so engaging, brilliant yeah. storyteller. Yeah. The funny thing about that night was I remember he arrived and it's at the 100 Club, which is a fantastic mm. old mm. rock and roll venue, obviously, in uh, the West End. And he arrived with a small entourage. He came into this really shabby kind of green room sat down, very friendly, charismatic, shakes everyone's hand, says hello, smiles to everyone, sits down, and then he says, the first thing he says is, oh, I've just walked through the uh, crowd, a lot of Tottenham fans here. <laughs> and there was a, small, was a slight silence, and I said, yeah, it's, um, it, it's the Spurs show. And he went, well, sorry, sorry, what is it? I said, it's the Spurs show, that's, that's why, it, and he, oh, I see, okay, yeah. yeah. He didn't actually know, oh, no. <laughs> he just knew it was a booking. But, but then he was just brilliant. He just yeah. didn't focus and he just sold all the Spurs stories. It was great because there's a, there's a great story. And if any, I don't know if anyone around the table has ever heard that one. And I noticed that it's in the back catalogue. Yeah. Um, the story about William Gallas. Yeah, just yeah. Hilarious. Exactly. I thought, <laughs> Leaving in the middle of a game. Yeah. yeah. To pick up his son, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just a great story. I, I cannot yeah. recommend uh, to listen yeah. to that, that one. You know, is that one of your favourite ones to do, Theo? Oh yeah, but all those live ones are special because, of course, you, you're, ba- yeah. you're basically hanging out with your heroes. Yeah, like Glenn, so, the Hodder one. Was yeah, we've done. We've yeah. had Glenn a couple of times. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And, but all of it. I mean, can you just? I know you've got a new podcast yeah. out at the moment called Life Goals, and well, Life that. Goals is uh, completely different. It's, it's club neutral. It's not just a Tottenham thing. And what it's about, it's very simple. It's just it's a bit like Desert Island Discs, where you get someone who's a big football fan and you ask them to choose the eight, what I call the eight defining goals of their lives. 
and then they relive them with you and you play a bit of commentary. They choose bits of music to evoke the time as well. And, and the, you know, we do them in chronological order, so you get a little bit of a life story as well. You get a lot of football, but you get other aspects of their lives and everything. So we've had Kevin Day, Paul Hawksby, uh, Rufus Jones, the brilliant actor. So it's going well, thanks. Oh, brilliant. Really, I, look I, love, I love the Hawksby episode. I, I really like the bit where he was talking about uh, setting up his magazine company. Yeah, interesting. Paul's supportership, if you like, of Spurs, yeah. exactly mirrors mine. So he, he, will, he will have remembered yeah. this vaguely, sort of... In, Vaguely remember the '66 World Cup, but not yeah, really. That's what and then said, the 1970 yeah. World Cup was, yeah, it was so the first one. Yeah, that he, yeah, yeah. So I could, I could identify in some of the some of his music choices. So I, I just wanted to start, just you know, the, before we go into one of our main topics, is to talk about you know, some of the stuff you've done um, to do with Spurs, and and specifically to talk about White Hart Lane, the finale. You know, how, how did you how did you get how that gig? Did, did you have to pitch for it? What I mean, it was fantastic. No, I didn't actually, oddly enough, because what happened was I worked with uh, Tottenham before, but uh, in two thousand seven, two thousand six, my uncle Simon uh, is a big Tottenham fan. He's only five years older than me, so he's more like a big brother, really. In fact, he's more as much down to him as anyone that I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, and he approached the club in the mid noughties and said, "Look, I'm, I'm a, he also does the same job as me. He's a filmmaker, film director." And he said, look, I make commercials and films, and if you ever need anyone, he went to see Paul Barber, who was the chief executive at the time, I'm, I'm at your service because I'm a, I'm a lifelong Tottenham fan. So they, they got back to him a few months later and said, would you be interested in making a film for our charity, Tottenham Foundation, brilliant charity. And I had to be on holiday. We took our families on holiday together uh, to Italy, and he mentioned it to me. He said, do you want to do it with me? And I said, yeah. So we made a film for the foundation. That went well. Then they got us to make the films for the 2007 125th birthday of Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we made a series of little films for that, and they, and they, and we met all. We interviewed people like what well, all of them. I mean, I met Dave McKay and David Ginella, and wow. it was fantastic. So of course we were doing it because we didn't make any money. It was literally no money to be made, but we just had an incredible time doing it. And I found myself having lunch with David Ginola in Saint-Tropez, literally. Wow. Alfresco, oh you know. <laughs> or, I, or I found myself yeah. in Dave McCoy, you know, in, in a front room in Enfield with Dave McCoy, just me and him chatting, you know, on camera. Yeah, yeah. So it was an incredible experience. And then we just kept, you know, so we had friends there then and kept in touch. And I didn't do another job, but I talked to him about a few things. But then one day, it was funny because it was that, it was about three months to go till the end of White Hart Lane, and they and I just got a phone call from uh, Emma, who's head of marketing there, is really nice, and she just phoned out of the blue one day and said, "Look, we've got to do a, a kind of a show to mark the end of White Hart Lane. We're sort of we don't quite know. We've got a few ideas. We're sort of pulling them together. Is that something you'd be interested in getting involved in?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm free. I might might be persuaded to do that." And I, I thought, "Right," and I went in and did a meeting. And that was it. Yeah, we were off and running. So I think just because they knew me, they just they yeah. didn't have time to start yeah. doing a pitch process and everything. They needed yeah. someone they knew and that had delivered in the past. So it was. Um, there were some great nuances in that. You know, I, I did a little flick, like a little watch of it this afternoon. Yeah. Um, and um, it was it was really interesting that I sort of remember at the time the brass band always yeah. playing in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah and, and they were playing that. Um, yeah. the, the glory glory yeah. and they play something else I just yeah. think that's a wonderful backdrop and it yeah. sort of made me stand up straight and be really proud I think yeah. that was just yeah. a, was, that, was that a good I one think, yeah that was something that I wanted to have I, I wanted that I got that uh, Steve Sidwell is a brilliant musical director he's one of those genius guys who went to the Guild Hall of Music he, just, just can, he can write music in his sleep you know he, he worked, he, he, you would be amazed at all the different things he's done like you know, the movies he's done and the ceremonies and the concerts and he's a real go to man if you need a genius and he's a massive Tottenham fan. So we first got him in on those 2007 films. 
And yeah, so he and I, I said that I want it to be, I want there to be a musical bed, but I want it to be completely appropriate. I said the songs, the actual big songs we want are obviously Glory, Glory, Hallelujah, and When the Spurs Go Marching In. And he just, uh, he can just do it like falling off a log, you know, and uh, so he was great. He conducted on the day on the pitch. Did he? Uh, so yeah, it's about, that's, it's about getting, but, but I think the reason why they want, another reason why they asked me to do it is they knew that I wasn't, you know, they didn't need to teach me anything. It was so important, it's so important in a situation like that to have someone who already's got all the fandom in their head already. Because mm-hmm. there's any number of professional creatives you can get in. <coughs> who are great technicians or whatever, but you're going to have to explain to them what the history is. And even if they do a crash course, you can't beat having, if, you, if you've been living and breathing it your entire life. Mm. So the film I had to make for it, which I loved with Kenneth Branagh, I, all those editorial decisions, and there were so many, they were either came they came almost automatically, instinctively to me, you know, and that would have yeah. been, so it would have been more difficult for someone. So the Kenneth Branagh thing, when, um, I can't remember what goal it was. Danny that film, wasn't yeah, yeah, when the Danny, Danny Rose, when you sort of cut, Danny yeah, Rose scores yeah. and it cuts back to you and goes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, you, yeah. and I think to have someone of his sort of... I mean, gravitas yeah. and stature. Yeah, stature that's what it's all about. Like yeah. a real wonderful yeah. thing. But that's what I wanted to, again, I wanted to get in because it was such a moment of pride for the club and you need to, and I and I was very keen to say, which they were very, very... I mean, I had to do a big... I did a big presentation to them to begin with about how I saw it. And I thought it was really important to think of this club now as something that was a... You know, I hate the word brand, but in a way, it, you had to think of it as a world-class brand. And so it was so important to get the right calibre of person and calibre of everything for that ceremony. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, Sky took it and put it out all over the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was so important to have the right kind of uh, connotations and values in it. So it was so important. to. I knew he was a possibility. But the day he said yes, it took me ages to get him to say yes because he was finishing off his movie, Murder on the Orient Express and all that. So we waited and waited and waited. It was a, it was a massive pivotal moment because if we hadn't got him, it would have been tough. But he, yeah, he went for it. Yeah. And who did you speak to about the rainbow? I mean, that was the other thing about the ceremony that the whole thing was that we thought, you know, there were only a couple of things. It's very nerve wracking doing something like that. But there were a couple of things we knew we couldn't control. If there's a load of rain, we're done for because, and there's nothing we can do about it. So there's not, no point even worrying about it. And the other thing was, if there's a massive pitch invasion, Again, if you're completely powerless, there's so many yeah. elements to a thing like that, to a show like that, and it's scary. And yeah. I'm not, also, it's not, I don't do many live events. I'm yeah. a film director, you know. So it's very, very scary. But when, as a film director, what you what you learn over the years, that there are some things, not many, that they can't pin on you. Yeah. And those two things, the pitch invasion, I'm thinking, well, it's a shame, but, you know, what can you do? But as it turned out, they were two fabulous elements to it and there were yeah. two things that made it uh, memorable because the pitch invasion you suddenly when you when you look back on it you think well actually they're entitled to have 20 minutes on the pitch after 100 odd years you know the fans they want to do that why not and they did it and of course the, the heroic clearing of the pitch by Paul Coit <laughs> was one of the great moments of the whole thing yeah. you know yeah, this is so respectful it was so respectful wasn't it one guy got him off the pitch yeah. and the thing about the rain we thought oh no the rain the rain the rain but it, it's almost added to the atmosphere yeah. and of course the rain what about the heavens opening on those designer suits I know well I did worry for the suits especially Ginellas <laughs> and Cheriots they exactly, were particularly yeah. expensive yeah. but we did we did give them all umbrellas but some of them were quite macho about yeah, it yeah. Didn't want to use it. I think it was quite interesting though was the, the the sort of class the way it sort of happened. And when I look at say West Ham when they left their yeah. stadium a few years it was just chaotic. They in yeah. pitch invasion, 
classless. Well, we were you know. fortunate because we had those to look at. So you learn from other people's mistakes, obviously. And I did. Yeah. I thought. I mean, the West Ham. <laughs> I've got two West Ham brothers who won't have that at all. As far as they're concerned, the best one ever. Yeah. So they don't see it that way. But I, I think they made. You know. They, they, there were a few things we learned from them. I also didn't think the Arsenal one was very good when they left because I looked at them obviously, and they and so. But I mean, I would say that I'm biased, but yeah. and but you learn, you learn what not to do. Yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, I, I can't remember the Arsenal one, but the West well, Ham there one. You go. My, 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 very bro- memorable. my brother sports West Ham, and my yeah. dad did sport West Ham, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just a bit classless for me. Just oh, the same the Gate. That's all I remember. About yeah, that was that was all on the same day, wasn't it? So it's not really the same day. The same day. The same day as the Gate. Of course. They gave out. No wonder we. Yeah. Wow. My um, my favourite thing about our one was the uh, the opera singer. He starts singing Glory Glory, and you just think him. Is he going to say Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah. yeah there were, I mean, yeah. little things, yeah. the amount of detailed scrutiny that every aspect of the whole thing had to be subjected to is was amazing. Even, and all the words that were sung were tweaked and changed right up until the end oh, really? by various... Yeah, because... Did you have a conversation, is he going to say Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, and, yeah. and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you something else, right, right close to the end, because, of course, the, the way we sing that is Tottenham are the greatest team the world has ever seen. Yeah. And right close to the end... Upstairs, in a very high level, someone asked us to change that. I mean, literally a couple of days beforehand because they thought, you know, it's hyperbole and we don't want to be accused of... of um... So little things like that. Yeah. There were loads and loads and loads of details. Like it was a very, very high-pressure like job. Yeah. yeah, it was like filmmaking, yeah. but it, it was like a three-month shoot. That's yeah. what it was like. <laughs> That's <laughs> like where we were shooting every day. Yeah. And was that your life for, like, let's say, yeah, a couple was, of yeah. months beforehand? Yeah. yeah, it was. But, I mean, what a privilege, you know. I mean, it yeah. was just incredible. I mean, I remember when I was really in the... in the when it was Because it was, it, was, it was tough. And I remember saying, someone said... And I, I didn't want anyone to know about it. I never spoke about it on the Spurs show. I didn't want any... Because I didn't want people saying, oh, you know what you want to do is you want to do this. And now, what are you doing about this? And... So I thought, I'm not going to talk about doing it at all. I carried on doing the Spurs show, never spoke about it. But I've got a few friends who are on the Supporters Trust, and they go and have meetings with the club, and the club told one of them, and he took me aside about three weeks ago and said, oh, a little birdie's told me you're doing the... Uh, and I went, yeah, Jesus Christ, mate, it's a, it's a hell of a job. And he, and he looked at me like I was mad, and he went, yeah, but what, what an honour. Yeah. And I said, I'd almost forgotten, because I was in the United States, and I thought, actually, oh, that's my Siri. He's saying, saying, calm down a bit. (laughs) And I suddenly thought, actually, yeah, I need to not lose sight of that because it is an honour. And of course, once it's all over and it's gone well, which it did, it had rave reviews and all that, then then you realise what what an honour it is. So you had direct dealings with Levy, um, Donna, Maria Cullen, I suppose. She's Donna, I was reporting to Donna. Very Daniel, Well, I did a film with Daniel, of course, a little film where I interviewed him and... So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I spent a lot of meetings in the in an hotspur way, but also at Lily White House and everything. So mm. just for a while, you're 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 sort of on the stuff. And uh, there's one guy that Simon Felstein is a really a really good guy. You know, he's a press the press uh, guy who looks after Pochettino at the press conferences and all that. And he'd always have a little. He'd say, "You love this, you love." Someone would say, "We've got to do another meeting on Thursday." And I'd say, "Let me look at my diary." He's going, "You're coming, you love it, <laughs> <laughs> you love it." And I'd say, "All right, yeah, I do." Well, that's brilliant. I'm really great. That's some great insight because it's real for us as Spurs fans. That was just a real emotional day. I remember, Mummy was laughing at me, Casper. I was, yeah. I was sitting in my chair crying because I didn't yeah, actually I go was... to the game. I never did go to the game, so I sat yeah. at home and watched it. And I, I cried at the rainbow. Yeah, you know I spent a lot of time in my youth, and we all have spent a lot of time, yeah. possibly Casper apart, 
spent a lot of time at White Hart Lane. Yeah, and, stadium. and do you know what? I was just looking at it this afternoon, I, I sort of love that stadium. Mm. But that's, yeah. how, how do you th- feel, Theo, about you know the new stadium having you know been entrenched in the old stadium like a lot of us here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm also very emotionally attached to to the old White Hart Lane. I first went there when I was five, and I carried on going, you know. And so, of course, you attach it. But I don't think I don't think many people, me included, think it was a bad idea to build a better stadium. Especially, I mean, we had the enormous privilege, really, of building one right there. I mean, most people have to move to some extent. Most clubs. So. Yeah, I think the new stadium's incredible, you know, it's just it's absolutely the best stadium in the world, as we know, for football, and it's, yeah. uh, I, I still think we're all getting used to it, yeah. it still yeah. feels like you're going to a swanky hotel, and yeah. I, so it doesn't feel like, in, in any way, it can't possibly feel like home in the same way yet, although a lot of people say, and it's true, because it's in the same place, there's a certain atmosphere about it, which is very similar. I was just thinking, like, just compared to the old ground, like, where we really hem teams in, and yeah. tied to the ground, yeah. um, I mean, we're far from making it into a fortress, the new place. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, is there an element of we, we got what we wanted, but we lost what we had? You know, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. But, yeah. I mean, sacrifice for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think the new place is fantastic. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves by having an unbeaten season in the last season. Yeah. 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 Most clubs, when they move to a new stadium, find it, teams find it hard to settle in because, mm-hmm. of course, that thing that you have, the whole point about home advantage is everything's completely familiar one of the things that makes it a special place is at least the, the stands are very much on, as close to the pitch yeah. as possible, which is yeah. great, and they're steep. You know, that's what makes it vastly superior to, say, the Emirates, never mind the London Stadium, you know. So mm. I don't think they could have done it much better. I think, I know what our name is small, but I think everybody's more engaged with, like, the players because they, they're closer to the pitch. Mm. Yeah. And the atmosphere, because it's the biggest stadium you get, more people that are wanting to come because it's new and it gives you, especially if you don't have a season ticket and you might not be able to get a ticket for a long time. So, like, they put everything into it. They're quite grateful to be there, yeah. So then they put all that they have and people, like, lose their voices. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Tune in again tomorrow for our full review of the 2016-2017 season.